Jesus. Praise God. It has been a real privilege for us to be here again. Um, we travel in a lot of places around the world and have been in some very wonderful uh, fellowship, different uh, churches and pastors and saints around the world. But uh, you always have favorite places, and uh, this is one of them. <laughs> and we're very happy to be here today uh, to be with each one of you, your pastor and his family. Uh, we've really grown to love and appreciate them. Uh, of course, we also love the fact that the Lord is here. Uh, that's always important. When you travel all the time, there's constantly things changing, the weather, culture, food, uh, language, everything seems to change, but one thing that is the same is the presence of the Lord, which we've just been talking about. And so I'm thankful that he's here today, praise God, and because he's here, we can expect the miraculous to happen. You can see a miracle happen in your life. If you need the Holy Ghost, you can receive the Holy Ghost. If you need healing, you can receive healing. Whatever it is that you need, he is here this morning to minister to you. Praise God. While you are standing, I'd like us to turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 9. I'll be reading verses 1, 2, and 6. <clears throat> Revelation, I'm sorry, the book of Luke chapter 9. Uh, reading the first two verses and then also in verse 6. Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Verse 6, And they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Praise God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your presence here. We thank you for each person who has gathered together in your name. We now ask for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We understand without that anointing, we can do nothing. And so we're asking that you would minister by your spirit, that you would challenge our hearts. And we ask these things now in the name which is above every name. And that name is Jesus. So let's give him some praise here before we're seated. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. <clears throat> I would guess that the time this particular scripture was written or referring to was early in Jesus' ministry, maybe 10, 12 months along. He had gathered together a group of 12 disciples as an inner core, but he also had many other disciples as well that would follow him from time to time and place to place. We know that because in John chapter 6 it said when he taught something that some of them didn't like that many of them turned back and left him. So we know that he had many disciples but there was an inner core of 12 that went with him everywhere. I was born and raised in the country of India 
And they have there what are known as gurus. Uh, that term has been used around uh, the world now to refer to somebody who's an expert in a particular field. But uh, the initial or original word actually was referring to a religious teacher who would go from place to place with his disciples. They would serve him, take care of his needs. But as they would go, he would teach them the principles of what he believed to be uh, truth. And uh, they would arrive in a new town, maybe set up at a shrine or under a tree somewhere. He would begin to teach the people from that area. And as they would gather there, some of them would come and ask for a special blessing. Many times, if uh, a lady did not have children and wanted them, they would come for a blessing. And so this was the, uh, or has been the common uh, trait of, of a guru uh, in the original sense. I think that that's really what Jesus was. Uh, it was a time-honored uh, tradition, uh, something that happened over and over again. But as he traveled together with his disciples, I believe that he would tell them things that he felt were important for them to understand about his kingdom the reason why he had come to the earth. And so they would be walking from town to town. They didn't have buses or planes or other means of transportation that we have today. And so they would have a lot of time together just talking as they walked along. And so he would explain to them that he had come to destroy the kingdom of Satan, which brought sickness and pain and sorrow and suffering and sin. And he had come instead to bring a kingdom of peace, and of joy, and of love, and uh, uh, one of healing. He had come to bring a kingdom that would, would be not just for this world, but would also be eternal in the heavens. And so he would uh, give them a, an understanding of what his kingdom was about as they traveled. They listened to him many times on the hillside or in different towns as he would teach. They would he hear the things that he would be explaining to them. And then they watched him do the miracles. They saw him open blind eyes and raise the dead on occasion. There were many miracles that they saw and experienced as they traveled with them. And so now, after they have been with him some months, he tells them, I'm going to send you on a field trip to put into practice what you have seen me teach and do. I don't want you just to see and hear about it, but I have been bringing you with me so that you will also experience uh, the same power and authority that I have. So it said he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. I do think that there is a difference between the word power and authority. Power means that you have the capability of doing something. But authority means that you ha are the one who is uh, able to give that power to somebody else to use. Uh, you enable somebody to use what they have. Maybe a, an example of that would be a, uh, a weightlifter at the Olympics. He may have the power to lift the weight, but unless the referee gives a signal and he does his uh, uh, weightlifting out of turn, then uh, he will be disqualified because he didn't have the permission. But Jesus said, I'm giving you both power and permission, 
to take uh, that authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And so he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And that's what they went. That's what they did. They went from town to town, from place to place, and did the miraculous as God's Spirit worked with them. When I was uh, a young person, I was attending Bible college in Canada, but my parents had been missionaries in India. My dad was the superintendent of the uh, work there. But he was getting ready to nationalize the church in India, turn it over to national leadership. And so I got permission to go with a friend of mine from Bible college to India to spend three months to watch the process. And it did prove to be helpful to me because uh, as a missionary, I have nationalized the work in Pakistan and helped to uh, helped with the process of nationalizing the church in Malaysia. In fact, it's just over a month ago that that happened, or a year ago rather. And so, uh, but I went to, to India for this three months with my friend. While we were there, Brother Billy Cole, a very well-known evangelist, some of you have heard of him, of course, but he was a very powerful man of God in the nation of Ethiopia. Just in one service, they saw over 100,000 people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost as he ministered the Word of God there. And so he was very powerful, but I'm talking about before Ethiopia, when he was still sort of developing his ministry, I guess. And he came to India for three weeks, and so my friend and I got to travel with him. We observed what he did, we heard what he taught, even as we traveled together in our vehicle. And uh, so we were picking up on these things. At the end of three weeks, where over 300 people had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he said to my friend and I, I'm leaving now, but I want you to put into practice what you've heard me teach and preach, and I want you to, to see people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I want you to actually activate what you've been seeing and hearing. And I guess because I was very naive, uh, I just felt like if he said it could happen, that it could happen. In those days, people usually had to pray for six months or five years to receive the Holy Ghost. They thought it was a real process that had to take place, and uh, they didn't understand that it was actually a gift from God. And when you receive a gift, when they were handing out the gifts to the man here, I didn't see anybody say, no, I don't want it. Uh, they received it. They just took it. And when you receive the Holy Ghost, it's the same thing. You receive it. You don't say, well, no, I don't want that. And the Lord is offering to us His gift. He's offering to us His Spirit. And so we preached that. And in five services, my friend and I saw 156 people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I was only 20 years old, just starting out in ministry. And what I'm saying is that I picked up some things from Brother... Brother Cole, that impacted me for the rest of my life. Since then, I have seen tens of thousands of people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But the seeds for that were planted as I traveled with him because he was, in a sense, a guru to me at that time. And so Jesus had become that guru to his disciples. And now they went forth and began to implement and put into practice what he had been teaching them, what he had been uh, demonstrating to them. He was, of course, the Messiah or the Christ, which means the anointed one. 
That meant that they were literally walking with the anointed one. Everywhere he went, uh, the anointing was there because he was that anointed one. So that meant they were walking with the anointing. But today we're in a different stage. We actually walk in the anointing. We walk in the anointing of God when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That means his anointing comes upon you and dwells within you. And wherever you go, that anointing goes with you as you walk in him and live in him. Praise God. And so I believe today that the Lord intends for his church to walk in the anointing, to live in the anointing, so that the spirit and power of God can work through them to impact the world. The Lord never intended for his church just to be in a building and locked up, but he intended the, the, the church to move uh, through the world and take this gospel to people everywhere. If you read in the Bible... Almost all the miracles that happened, happened outside of the temple or the synagogue. It happened where people lived. And we need to take this gospel that Jesus has given to us wherever we go. And as we begin to implement what he's taught us and what we have learned, we can see the miraculous happen. We can see people healed. We can see people delivered. We can see people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Praise God. And so, uh, I believe today that each one of us can be very impacting in our world. There's a lot of stuff going on that's against the Bible. And sometimes you kind of throw up your hands and say, what are we going to do with all this? But I believe we have power and authority. And we can make a change in the world. In the book of John chapter 15... And reading in verse 7, this chapter talks about Jesus being the vine and we are the branches. We're supposed to stay in him to produce fruit. But he said in verse 7, If you abide or live in me and my words abide or live in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Jesus said, If you Live in me, and my words then live in you, you can start asking for things and they're going to happen. Um, Sister Sean and I travel all the time. Uh, We're at the tail end of a nine-week trip. We left Canada on the 7th of July. We'll actually get to our own home on the 11th of September, so it's going to be over two months. And uh, we've stayed in a lot of hotels. We've stayed in a lot of homes during that time. Every place is different. And uh, one of the first things that I do when I go into a new uh, place of accommodation is drop my suitcase and look before the light switch and where the furniture is. Because in the nighttime when I make a nocturnal visit to the restroom, I don't want to be banging my head or shins. And I do that because it's unfamiliar to me. A lot of Christians just visit the Lord once in a while. Just when they think that they really need him, they visit him. But he said, if you will live in me, and my words will live in you, then you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done. We need to learn how to live in him, to walk in the anointing. 
Walk in the Spirit of God. And when you do that, there will be times when His Spirit will move upon you to pray for somebody, for to, to, to testify to somebody about His glory and power, and you're going to see something happen. Praise God. He wants us to learn how to live in Him. In my own home, I don't need to worry about the light switch. I know where the furniture is. I don't worry where I go, even with the light off at nighttime. I can find my way downstairs okay, because I live there. And when we live in Him, we become familiar with how He does things. We become familiar with how He thinks. We understand what His will is. We understand the things that He can do through us. Praise God. Because we're living in Him. And after a while, just automatically, without even thinking, you start to say things that He would say. You start to speak things unconsciously or subconsciously because you've been around Him so much and you've studied His Word and meditated upon it. You see, that's the way you really get His Word into your heart is to to meditate on it. Not just read through it as fast as you can, but stop when it, there's something there that grabs your attention. And allow yourself to become uh, enmeshed in it to where it becomes a part of your DNA. The psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so when you get his word in your heart, it becomes a part of you. And then you start talking and doing things and saying things that Jesus would say. Have you ever heard a three-year-old make a very profound statement. And you wonder, wow, where did that come from? And they actually used it in the right place. Well, they may not fully understand what it means, but they heard somebody say that, maybe their mother or father. And uh, they heard them say it, and so they're utilizing what they've heard them say. You can actually be talking to someone You think it's a normal conversation. But because the Holy Ghost is in you and you're living in Him, He will start to direct things that meets the need of the person you're talking to. And they may not even, you may not even know they've got a problem. But the Holy Ghost says what they need to hear through you because you're living in Him and His Word is living in you. So you're beginning to say things that people need to hear. Praise God. You don't have to be in church to see somebody get healed. You can be at a restaurant or a a cafe somewhere and just having a cup of coffee with somebody. And you're talking and they say, well, you know, I'm not feeling well today or I've got this situation. And you say, I feel like the Lord wants to touch you. You can reach across the table, take their hand and begin to pray for them in the name of Jesus. You can see a miracle happen. Praise God. Because you're living in the anointing and his word begins to speak through you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I would assume that the first person into the building here today turned on the lights. That's because uh, people were coming in and we needed to see what we were doing. And especially if it's a night service, you need to do that. Does that mean last night while we were at our homes there was no electricity here? No, there was electricity here, but it wasn't needed. And sometimes people think walking in the anointing is feeling goosebumps all the time or kind of floating around up here. 
That's not what the anointing is. The anointing is simply God's power in you, His power and authority. And when you come to a point where you need to use it, then you turn on a switch. The first person in turned on the switch and the lights came on. The electricity wasn't needed last night, but it was needed this morning. And so when you need it, you turn it on. And so it is when you walk with the anointing. When you need to see a miracle happen, that's when you turn on the switch. What's the switch? I believe it's the name of Jesus. You're coming and you're almost in an accident. In Jesus' name. And the Lord spares you. Or there's some other situation. You call upon the name of the Lord because that activates the anointing. That actually causes the Spirit of God to begin moving. That same Spirit that created the heavens and the earth dwells within us. Praise God. He gives us power and authority. And so we can exercise and use that word. Praise God. And so it's important that we learn how to walk in the anointing. And the way you do that is by living in Him and taking His Word and putting it into you. I, I like to meditate upon the Word of God and think about it. Uh, I like to pray and talk to the Lord. Sometimes we think praying is just talking to the Lord and not ever listening to what He wants to say. Sometimes you'd be surprised what you can learn if you just listen to Him. You're sitting there and thinking about the Lord and then He'll start speaking to your spirit. He'll start speaking to your heart. That's how we learn how to live in the anointing. Uh, we, Sister Sham and I uh, lived in the city of Islamabad in Pakistan, uh, the capital city. Your pastor's been there uh, with us uh, a number of years ago. But uh, while we lived there, our uh, children were in high school and... Uh, they attended the American International School. As a result, we knew several of the teachers. And uh, because of my job there, I had to travel a lot in ministering. I was at different conferences, church dedications, a lot of different functions uh, as the superintendent. But uh, on the weekend, I would try to come home and be with my family and... Uh, we would attend the local church, but I would also go with my son to play uh, softball, which is an underhanded version of baseball. And so we would go and play that. It was, the American Embassy had a field. A lot of people liked to play, so they arranged where they would have five games in a day. And if you were the second or third ga game, then you would go and start warming up, uh, tossing a ball back and forth with your teammate before the game so that you could be prepared when it started. And on a particular uh, day while we were playing softball, I was there warming up. There was a game in progress. And one of the American teachers at the American International School was watching the game. He suddenly had an epileptic seizure and swallowed his tongue. He fell on the ground and began to thrash around trying to get his breath. And they stopped the game immediately. People came and surrounded him. There was a physical education teacher there. And he was trying to uh, apply first aid to get the man where he could get his tongue out and he could breathe again. And uh, a group of people quickly gathered around and were, were looking. 
And I watched this man that was suffering from the seizure. He began to look around the eyes of uh, those in the circle. And when his eyes fastened on mine, they stopped. He knew that we were missionaries, that we were people of prayer. And it's as though he was speaking with his eyes, saying, Would you please pray? Well, I'm an, I told you the other night I'm an introvert by nature. And so I'd like to keep out of the headlines and uh, stand back a little bit. So I was standing behind the physical education teacher just praying quietly. But when, he, when I saw his eyes fasten on mine, I kind of pushed my reticence aside. I reached over top of that physical education teacher, laid my hand on the head of the teacher that was suffering, and I said, in the name of Jesus... And instantly his tongue came out, and uh, there was no further issue. A few days later at uh, the school, my wife saw that teacher, and he said to her, I know what happened, and I know who did it. You see, I wasn't at a general conference. I wasn't on a Sunday morning service. I wasn't at some special meeting where a famous evangelist came. I was playing softball. But there was a need. And that's when you have to activate the anointing. When you face a situation as you progress through life. When there's something that arises, you have to be ready. And the way that you're ready is by living in the anointing. By walking in the anointing. So that when the need is there, you can pray. You're not searching around, where is God? Oh, where did he go? Because you're not familiar with where he lives. You're not familiar with him and the way he does things. And so you find a hard finding him. We need to live in him so that when we call upon his name, he answers and a miraculous thing takes place. Praise God. Praise God. In the book of Acts, chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, Uh, This is the chapter where Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Ghost, paid for it with their lives. And it tells us in verse 11, And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. That was the largest gathering place available. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches. They didn't uh, wait to get to the temple, but they started just putting people that were sick out on the streets and couches. In Pakistan, we have a kind of bed that's called a charpai. That means four feet. It's a strung bed, very lightweight. And uh, a lot of people in the hot season uh, sleep outside, and they just put their bed up against the wall during the day. But uh, I can imagine them taking people on beds like this and laying them in the street because they heard that Peter was coming. Uh, When you are in some of the narrow alleyways. And again, uh, Pastor Butcher has been into some of those alleys and seen the congestion, motorbikes going through and and people and and vegetable carts and vendors and and all kinds of uh, people and 
chaos and confusion. And that's the kind of situation that Peter would have been walking through as he's going on his way to the, to the temple to pray for people. And so people hear that he's coming on their street today, and they quickly start putting people out on, on these couches and, and beds, hoping that Peter somehow can get by and, and minister to them. And it tells us here that at the least, the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. They knew that Peter couldn't come into every home and pray for everybody. He's on his way to the temple. There's all kinds of people there waiting for him to preach. And so he's on his way. And as he walks, the shadow of Peter falls on people who are sick. And suddenly they get up off of their beds. They get up off of their couches. Why? Because he was walking in the anointing. And when the anointing fell upon them, it began to heal and to raise them up from their position of sickness. I believe that we can walk in the same anointing. As you walk by somebody, they can feel, hey... I felt something there. Why? Because we are living in the anointing. We're walking in the anointing. And the power of God is in us. Praise God. Praise God. When we first went to Pakistan, we lived in the city of Karachi. It's a city today of almost 20 million people. And uh, most people in those days did not have their own transportation. We had 12,000 believers in our church in Pakistan at the time. Uh, not a single believer had a car or motorcycle. I'm motorcycle, I'm talking about a 50cc motorcycle. And we've seen six or seven people on one of those. But uh, uh, not, nobody in our church except two pastors that the North American church youth uh, raised money for. They, they called it Sheets for Christ in those days. Now it's called Move the Mission. But they provided two motorcycles for some of our leaders, and they provided missionaries with their vehicle. That's the only vehicles that were in the entire country in the United Pentecostal Church. You would come to church, everybody walked, came by public transport. That's the way it was. And uh, so uh, on this particular situation uh, day, it was a holiday, and when that happens, uh, people would rent the taxis that were available to go to a park for a picnic or maybe the seaside. And so that's what was happening. All the vehicles were already engaged. And because it was a holiday, I was out preaching somewhere. Our children were very small at the time, and it was very difficult travel to get there. So uh, Sister Sean was at home with them. And uh, she was upstairs working. She had asked a man who had been working in our home uh, by the name of William to keep an eye out on our son, Jordan, who was about 12 months old at the time. And so uh, William said that he would, uh, he would watch him. And as Sister Sean was working, uh, she felt a strong impression in the Holy Ghost to get up and to go downstairs. Now, William had been washing the floor with a very strong poison called phenyl. It kills cockroaches and ants and all the other insects that come in and uh, uh, all the other things that would uh, be uh, dangerous to uh, a family. And so uh, he had been doing that, but when she came down the stairs, she saw that William wasn't there. He had steps outside for some reason or other, and Jordan was sitting on the steps alone. His head was, he was kind of swaying like this. His eyes were rolled back in his head. Sister Shom rushed down the stairs, picked him up, and she could smell phenyl on his breath. 
he had actually swallowed the poison. And so uh, she picked him up. She said, Lord, you know that I can't get to a doctor. Alan's gone with the car. Uh, all the taxis that are in the city are, are gone to parks and the seaside. There's no way that I can get to a doctor. But I did read in your word one day where it said that you turned water into wine. And now I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you would turn phenyl into water. Jordan shook like this a little bit. His eyes normalized. And there were absolutely no side effects whatsoever. God had completely touched him. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I was the one who was at the convention or the preaching service. Sister Sham was at home. But the miracle was needed at home, not at the convention center. And what I'm saying is this. If you live in the anointing, wherever you are, you can call on the name of the Lord. And he can do a miracle for you. His presence and spirit is with you as you walk in his anointing. Praise God. Praise God. That's why it's important that we impact the world with that anointing that is in us. Hallelujah. As we travel through this life, we can change things through the anointing, through the spirit of the living God. Praise God. After a couple of years attending the school, my wife got permission from our head office for her to work in the school to help pay for our children's education. She uh, was the uh, administrative assistant to the uh, elementary uh, principal, and so she she had her office there. She had set up a coffee maker because a lot of teachers during break would come in and, and uh, drink coffee, and so that was a customary thing, but... Uh, over the years, people had come to recognize that she was a missionary and a person of prayer. And uh, so they started calling her office the prayer room because uh, they knew that uh, she was praying and if they needed help, they could go there and she would pray for them. Well, one day she was sitting in her office and the door opened and one of the teachers walked in. This particular teacher was a Pakistani lady. Uh, she taught the subject host nation, which was a subject that taught the culture and the geography of Pakistan because there were over 50 nations in, enrolled in the school and they wanted them to learn a little bit about their, the background of the nation they were visiting. And so this lady taught it. She was the wife of one of the nine Supreme Court justices one of the top nine judges in the country. Very influential people. They were Muslim people. But uh, she walked in on this particular day. She said, Georgine, I have come to let you know that I will be leaving early today. As you know, my daughter had a baby three weeks ago. He has no immune system. And the doctors have just called and said that we need to prepare for his funeral because they're... Uh, is very little chance that he will survive the night. So she said, I'm leaving early to go and make the preparations that are needed. As she started to go out the door, she turned back and she said, would you ask Alan to pray? And uh, Sister Sean said, well, would you like him to go to the hospital? She was quite shocked because 
Their tradition is if a newborn doesn't look like it's going to survive, the family cuts themselves off from it so that they will not become emotionally attached. So when we arrived at the hospital that night, came into the intensive care unit, none of the family was there, even though the baby was expected to die at any moment. And uh, so we got permission from the head nurse to go in and pray. The baby was in intensive uh, in, inside of an oxygen tent, and uh, uh, obviously in, in very serious condition. I went up to the side of the bed, laid my hand on the railing, and I said, Lord, you know that these people don't even believe that you're God. They think that you're a prophet, but in a time of need, they have asked for prayer. Because of their influence, if things don't go well, we may not be in the country much longer. And so I said, I'm asking you to do a miracle to show that you are God and that you are powerful. Praise God. Prayed it in the name of Jesus. We left the hospital. The next Morning, Sister Sham was in her office. It must have been coffee break because a lot of teachers were standing around drinking coffee. The door opened and this lady walked in and she said to the gathering there, she said, ladies and gentlemen, I have an announcement to make. She doesn't speak uh, Pentecostal language, so she had her own terminology. She said, uh, Georgine and Alan Sham are holy people. Well, I guess if you got the Holy Ghost, you're supposed to be holy. Uh, the Bible says to be holy as he is holy in the book of Hebrews. But uh, she meant that we were people of prayer, that we knew how to get a hold of God. And so uh, she said, uh, I was supposed to bury my grandson this morning, but early this morning the hospital called and said, we don't know what's happened overnight, but the baby's immune system has kicked in. You can come and take him home. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Nine years later, I was at the school. Uh, they were having International Day, and because there were so many nationalities, they have one day a year where every nationality has a booth in a large open area there at the school. And they have literature about their country. They sell different things, and they dress in their country costume, whatever. We don't have a, a lot of Canadians over there, so I was volunteering and helping out at the Canadian booth. While I was standing there, this teacher happened to walk by where I was, and when she saw me, she said, oh, Alan, you're here. She said, uh, can you wait a few minutes? I said, sure, I'm here for the day. So uh, she uh, went off, came back about 10 minutes later with a young boy. And she turned to him and said, Janae, do you remember we told you when you were a baby that you had no immune system and you were supposed to die, but a missionary prayed for you and you were healed? He said, yes, I remember that you telling me that. She said, I'd like you to meet him. Nine years later, praise God. Since then, he's graduated from high school. He's finished university. He's migrated to Canada. His mother made a statement uh, a few years ago. She said, if I ever become a Christian, and for them it can mean their life because you're not supposed to convert. But she said, if I ever become a Christian, I want to be one like Georgine. Why? Because she knew many Christians, but she didn't know many that walked in the anointing. And there is a difference. Praise God. Praise God. I believe that we need to live in the anointing. 
We need to allow God's spirit to work in us continuously. Praise God. It needs to be in our subconscious so that we can call it out immediately when there is a need, whenever that might happen. In closing this morning, I'd like to have us look at the book of Mark chapter 16. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus had uh, told his disciples to go out and put into practice what they had seen and heard. He was sending them on a field trip. But now it's graduation. And so in verse 15 of Mark chapter 16, it says, He said unto them, Go ye into all the world, before he just sent them to the nearby towns. But now he said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. They were thinking Jewish creatures, but he said every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So Jesus said you have to believe and be baptized to be saved. And he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs might follow them that believe. If the conditions are right, they might, it might happen. It said these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. So if you're a believer, you will speak with new tongues. That's what Jesus said. And then in verse 18, and they shall take up serpents. The apostle Paul, one day on an island, was building a fire and a serpent fastened on him. He shook it off. The people there expected him to die because it was a poisonous serpent. But he did not. Because when you have that kind of thing happen, the Lord can give you protection. He said, uh, uh, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Our son drank poison and it, it did not hurt him ultimately when we prayed for him. Because there is power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. He said, uh, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Right hand refers to the power of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. That means that wherever they went, the Lord went with them. He was right there. He was the anointing that they were moving in now. Hallelujah. He wasn't there in physical uh, presence, but he was there in spirit. And so wherever they walked, that's where he was. And I believe today if we have the anointing wherever we go, the anointing is there with us. Praise God. As I walk back and forth across this platform, the anointing moves with me. Not because of who I am, but because of who I have in me. Praise God. And so his anointing is there. And so when I walk and move, then I am the vessel that he moves in. Praise God. And when I come down here, that means his anointing is coming down here as well. Praise God. Wherever you are, if you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the anointing of God is in you. Praise God. And wherever you walk, the anointing is walking with you. 
Hallelujah. Right now as we're gathering together in Perth, Australia, there will be people gathering around the world. They've already been gathering in New Zealand. And they're going to be gathering in London, England. And New York. And the many cities around the world. And small towns and villages. But wherever the church is, wherever there are anointed people, the power of God is present. And He's getting ready to do the miraculous. He wants to pour out of His Spirit. He wants to heal the sick. He wants to deliver the oppressed. He wants to raise up those who have been struggling with addictions, who have been struggling with things that have controlled their lives. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me here this morning? Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. The anointing is here right now. God's presence, His healing power is here in this building. And that's because you're here. And you have the anointing in you. Hallelujah. Before we came here, this was an empty building. But now we're here with the presence of God. We brought Him with us. Hallelujah. And His power is here. He's able to minister to us and through us. Praise God. Praise God. He's ready to do it here today. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If there's somebody here today that would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you've maybe never been filled with God's Spirit. It's a gift that He has for you. Praise God. It's not something you earn. It's not something you pay for. It's not something that you follow so many requirements and then you get it. It's a gift. He's offering it to you this morning. We invite you to come right now in the name of Jesus. If you would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you have not received it before. Praise God. The anointing of God's Spirit. Praise God. Some are coming. Are there any others here that would like to receive God's Spirit this morning? Praise God. Praise God. The Lord wants to give you a gift. Hallelujah. The church has given the man a gift, but the Lord wants to give you an eternal gift. That's His power and His Spirit. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.